Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Out of the Cave podcast. This podcast, you could say it's about a lot of things, but really the real purpose of this podcast is a way for me to have conversations with people I find interesting and want to speak with. I've always been interested in what it means to be a man, personality, relationships, morality, the existence of God, and a bunch of other topics in that same vein. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations and take something away like I will. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. President Sanford, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here, Vince. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I've known about you, obviously. I went to the University of Dallas, and now you're the new president of the university. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, how long? Uh, so you've been at the university for a, a number of years now, but this is a pretty new role for you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I arrived at the University of Dallas in 2015 as the dean of the Constantine College of Liberal Arts. So that's our main undergraduate college and also a professor of philosophy. So I, I was a tenured faculty member um, at Franciscan University and I'm a tenured faculty member here in our department of philosophy. And I don't get to teach quite as much as, as I used to, um, but I still do teach. And after serving as, as dean for about two and a half years, I, I was asked to take on the role of the provost of the university. So I was overall academics and, and, uh, and then student life and campus ministry and, and career planning and placement. And, a few other offices. And, um, and then I've been president actually since March 8th, uh, but just inaugurated on the 1st of October. Yeah, we're all in the community of, of the university. We're all very excited for the for your um, inauguration and, and you being the president of the university. It's, it's very well, that's wonderful. Thanks. Thanks. No, I, I feel that support and, and I appreciate it deeply. And there's so much good at the University of Dallas. And, and you know, my main goal is just to build on, on the good we already have and uh, make sure we preserve it, but um, also find new ways to share it and, and really strengthen who we are as uh, the distinctive Catholic liberal arts university we are. Yeah, so I wanted to go back in time because I don't know how much uh, people know about your, you know, your past career and how you got into teaching and how you found philosophy. And so I kind of want to get into that. Like, how did you discover your love for philosophy? How did you decide you wanted to teach? And how did that go? Yeah, uh, good questions. Um, you know, it's, it's um, I, I what didn't start out as a philosophy major. I went to Xavier University in Cincinnati and I went there because there's a program uh, basically a great books program, but all in Greek and Latin. And it, it's a small program within a, a much larger university, uh, basically the old Jesuit Ratio Studiorum. So in addition to reading classical texts in Greek and Latin for four years, so I, I had seven semesters of uh, Greek literature, seven semesters of Latin literature, and then um, took a, a host of uh, philosophy courses, I think four were required and, and three history courses and a number of literature courses. And I, I went into that program just because I, I love the tradition. I wanted to learn more. I love languages. And I thought um, that I'd probably end up teaching high school and doing some coaching on the side. I, I um, love athletics. And, and um, also the love of my life was part of that equation. Um, my wife and I have known each other since seventh grade. And uh, part of our, our determination of going to Xavier was um, it was the institution that, that um, had supported us both the most in terms of our, our scholarship and, and uh, gave us a certain financial independence in order to get married as we did after our sophomore year. Um, so I, I um, uh, found, I, I was a literature major, I was a second major in addition to this other program, and more and more found that, <coughs> excuse me, um, it was really the, the philosophical aspects of literature that, that grabbed my attention and that, um, 
I kept circling back to, plus the, the faculty members that I had in those philosophy courses were really outstanding. So my junior year, I, I dropped my literature second major and picked up philosophy and had the intention of going to law school, which seemed like a good practical thing to do. Um, I'm from a young family too. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got married, as I mentioned before our junior year and um, right before our senior year, our, our first son was born and, and it seemed like a good idea to get into a, um, a career path that could support my family. Um, and I didn't have any academics um, in my background. I did have a number of um, teachers in, in our family and my mother being the most notable example. So uh, teaching was something I knew, um, but on the high school level and, and uh, practicing law was something I knew. My father is an attorney. And so the plan was to go back to South Bend and go to Notre Dame Law School. Um, I'd prepared well for the LSAT and, and had taken out applications, but I, I did have um, a growing love for philosophy and a growing love for the possibility of teaching. And I would say what was key to the way in which I ultimately decided to um, take a, a, a stab at going to graduate school was I, I was so grateful for <clears throat> the um, education that I, I received and I was uh, painfully aware of the fact that I could not repay my debt. Aristotle tells us in, in um, um, his books on friendship and Nicomachean ethics that um, as with one's parents, one owes an eternal debt to uh, uh, teachers in a way that's, that's similar to the debt we owe our parents. And so um, I, I, I felt like, although I couldn't repay that debt, I, I could do something by passing on the treasures that had been given to me and, and trying to become a, a, a professor. And I thought if I, if I um, don't make it in graduate school, then I would um, likely teach on the, on the high school level. And in fact, was, was offered a high school teaching job um, shortly before deciding to go to graduate school. Um, so it, it was tough to not go to law school because that seemed like a, like a clear path. It's something I, I, I felt like I, I could definitely do. Um, it was a bit of an adventure to go to graduate school, but, um, um, and, and I, I went really just thinking I, I would teach um, mm. and, and went to a graduate school that um, was very strong in the history of philosophy. I worked with a, a well-known medievalist uh, by the name of Jorge Gracia, and I was um, not as interested in medieval philosophy when I started, I'm more interested in, in Aristotle and Plato as I still am, and uh, early phenomenology, um, but all of those were offered there. At, at this program. Um, it, it also played into my, my selection that they had offered me a very generous stipend to study there. So all of our expenses were, were covered at, at a basic level and um, we had some health insurance too. So it was a way to, to still provide for the family, although at a, a low level um, and pursue my studies. Um, and, and I, I uh, found that I, I just loved um, the academic work and uh, began to to work on some publications and really enjoyed that. I, th I threw myself in my studies and and learned another language, uh, German, when I was in graduate school. And and in the, uh, the summer times, I I would paint houses and roof houses and and make some extra cash to uh, get through the next year uh, with the the family that was growing um, over that period of time. And um, was just incredibly blessed to get a a postdoc appointment to Fordham University. And there I, I taught two 
two um, courses, uh, multiple sections um, of the two courses and, and worked on some additional research. Got to know the, the graduate students who were studying there since I was the age really of uh, the graduate students. I made it through graduate school in, in um, um, a little faster time than is typical. And, um, and then uh, was offered a, a full-time uh, position with Fordham and offered a couple other positions in 2002 in the spring and, and decided to go to Franciscan University because of, of their, um, the focus of their philosophy department and uh, the reputation of the university and um, loved, loved teaching. I did a lot of teaching um, for uh, the 13 years that I was there. And um, that's, that's sort of my, my main professional um, um, avocation and the leadership all, all grows on top of that. Gotcha. Yeah, there's two things, two questions off of that that I wanted to dive into. The first um, that I wanted to ask you about is when you were starting out. So you knew that you wanted to marry your wife pretty early on. You, you yeah. guys were seventh grade, you said? Yeah, it wasn't until eighth grade that I thought I, I would marry her. But uh, and, <laughs> and, and it, it, it wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't a sure thing. We didn't we didn't yeah. even know for sure that we would definitely get married when we went to uh to college but mm -hmm. um and and we did we did um step away from our relationship for a period of time because i thought i needed to do a bit of praying about whether i was called to priesthood um and um i, I did that in rapid fashion <laughs> today um but it, it just became very clear that you know that that was the cornerstone um that relationship um predicated on on our our faith uh, we always wanted to have christ at the center of our relationship, and um, you know, the I, I didn't know what I would end up doing with my life, yeah, uh, professionally. It it um, I thought I, I I had been working for a painting company since I was a sophomore in high school, and, and yeah, was, was working as a foreman after my first year. And uh, well, I can paint houses, um, I can I can mow lawns, I can I can uh, do whatever needs to be done. Um, if if other um, uses of, of my talents don't work out. Um, but I, I just felt called to get married and um, had a lot of trust that that one way or another, we'd make ends meet. Yeah, that's, that's exactly actually where I wanted to go with that question is having a young family. Um, I know that you had, you know, multiple jobs when you were getting started. Can you talk a little bit about like, working hard, how what that looks like, and when you have especially a young family, like providing for them and uh, really working hard when you have to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard work was, was part of our upbringing. Um, there were expectations from an early age. Um, I had my, my, my first job, um, as a newspaper delivery kid. Um, even I was too young to have my own route. So I would, I would, uh, do other people's routes for 80 to 90% of their profits, um, when they, when they were busy and raking leaves and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I was accustomed um, making money and um, more or less saving it. And um, when, when I first went to college, I was not working. I was blessed with a full scholarship and enough money to, to make it through the years. Um, my, my family's, my parents' approach was that you're 100% financially independent after high school. So um, I'd done the math and, and saw that I could make it. After I got married, um, um, one, one of our surprises was um, the way insurance works. Uh, it didn't occur to me that 
the birth of a child would not be covered on the student health insurance policy that uh, that we had. And, and so um, <laughs> bills, bills were mounting. And then um, we had a, a car that broke down and needed a new transmission. Um, so um, my, my calculations had not taken in um, the unexpected adequately. So I, I started tutoring um, and mowing lawns and um, I, I would drive a shuttle on weekend nights um, uh, from about uh, nine until three in the morning. Um, just getting getting students back to campus, basically. So I was working yeah. for the university doing that. The um, you know it and that I learned something from that. I, one of the things that that I learned was um, you get too busy, you don't retain as much as you want to. I I still um, uh, did well with my studies, but but I when I went to graduate school, um, I decided that it, I need to continue to work to make some additional money, but I wanted to line up my my activities, so to speak. So I would always take an extra class each semester of philosophy, and then an extra language course, and so that would all be schoolwork. And and um, I would I would um, basically um, make time for for daily prayer, and and often got to to daily mass. Um, but I I learned to cut out things that seemed um, like they couldn't be cut out. So uh, TV watching um, was unnecessary unless it was a way to spend time with my wife. Um, and video games were just a complete um, uh, distraction. Um, I, would, I, I would relax from things I could take a quick dose of, like uh, reading a novel, um, exercising. Well, I didn't exercise as much as I should have for, for the first couple of years. And um, the, the um, um, I guess my, my effort was to squeeze what energy I could out of mm. the day. And I, I learned early on that I could fit an extra half a week into most weeks of, of studying by uh, playing the margins. So getting up a little yeah. earlier, staying up a little later and cutting out things that um, were not really necessary to my, my personal well-being, although they felt necessary three or four years before that point. Um, but, but that, that um, uh, the goal of needing to accomplish my degree within a, a very uh, reasonable amount of time. And um, I, I could see the labors that my wife was putting into caring for our kids. And, and um, you know, that's, a, that's an all hour of the day or night sort of job. And um, I felt like it wasn't fair to her for me not to put in my very best effort into uh, completing my studies and, and making what extra money I could. But so the, the, the labor I would do would um, be outside. I had, I had to do some research and some teaching for the stipend that I received. So that was, yeah. that was during the academic year. But then every Christmas break, every fall break, every summer, um, I, uh, I made sure to, uh, to hit it hard when it came to picking up some, some additional money. And I tried to be smart about it. So bid jobs, um, by that time, I was an independent contractor as a painter and bid mm. jobs appropriately and, and uh, try to be a, a smart businessman in, in terms of how I went about it. And, um, um, and, then, and then I would sometimes, I remember I, this one job I bid, uh, it was a four-story house with uh, seven dormers on it. Um, it took me, you know, working, working by myself, I had to scrape it, prime it, paint it, uh, three different colors uh, with the trim work. 
and and um, had to rent some equipment and and borrow other equipment and and um, um, and then rush to get done in time to um, get, get back to my studies on the other end. So, um, but that that all um, in a way, um, I think made me a, a better user of my time even now. So I, I learned how to um, not have to have as much time ramping up to throw myself into, into my studies. I started developing little techniques to uh, give myself discrete goals. Like I wouldn't have a snack until I um, mm -hmm. wrote uh, five paragraphs on this essay. I, I wouldn't even, you know, sometimes I have to go to the bathroom. Well, I'm, I'm going to hold off until I've, until I've got <laughs> um, uh, this much more read or yeah. or uh, prepared for a class that I'm going to teach. So little games like that, that uh, uh, kept me focused on the task at hand. So would you say then that um, it sounds like you have to have that thing that's pushing you, like for you as your wife watching her with, you know, your children and, and knowing that you had to pull through and come through for them and her. Um, but would you say, so first having like something that you're shooting for, something that's pushing you, and then how do you build discipline on top of that kind of like challenging yourself and rising to the occasion when you need to? Yeah, um, you know, it's it, it, it's kind of maybe a, a healthy bit of anxiety and um, the, the desire to be really excellent. Um, so I, I went to a, a state university. Um, I'd gotten into um, some more prestigious, I mean, uh, graduate school. I'd, I'd gotten into some more prestigious graduate schools but they didn't, um, they didn't have the kind of awards that this one gave. So I, I had a little competitive edge in the sense that, that I didn't want somebody, um, I wanted to prove that, that I could do just as much or, or maybe even more with the education I was receiving than somebody went to Brown or Princeton or wherever. And um, uh, maybe a little blue collar chip on my shoulder, you might say. Uh, so that, that, that was, that was part of the mix um, that can become unhealthy, of course, but, yeah. but for me, it was motivating. And I, I um, began to take seriously um, my obligation as a, as a Catholic man to um, uh, utilize the gifts that God had given me in a way that would give glory to him ultimately. And uh, that might sound a little abstract, but, but there became ways in which it really was motivating in a in a, a principal way for me so that um, um, I, I remember uh, it wasn't until after my my second year of graduate school that I, I thought well maybe I ought to pray about what I'm studying and um, try to wed my attempts to, to live a, a, a good Christian life with with um, my work life my study life and um, and do it all do it all for God's glory and and so that that became um, motivating. Building those those tactics to accomplish tasks within a, a bigger framework where you're, you're striving for, yeah. for larger goals, um, that's that's the work of, of every day in the sense of, um, I, I, I found it, and, and now I, I uh, give even more time in my, my early morning prayer um, where I, I think about the day, I think about, pray about what I, what I hope to accomplish and, and um, who needs to be brought into which projects um, and, and um, uh, try to take a spiritual attitude to what for me in, in my, my current work is a you know, very practical, pragmatic day-to-day um, -day set of activities and then be reflective at night. How did I, how did I do? Um, uh, have an examination of conscience 
And, and then um, having those two bookends to the day um, where I began and end with prayer um, um, helped me be, begin to see areas where I, I could be more efficient, um, where, where I, I could plan each of the, the steps of my day a little more effectively. And, um, and I began to calendar out my day in a, in a pretty detailed manner. Like, okay, I'm gonna give 45 minutes to this and um, I'm actually gonna give those 45 minutes and, and including some breaks, you, can't, you cannot work continuously, but, but trying to cultivate a, um, a real focused approach to um, periods of, of concentrated work. Yeah, what advice, I mean, now being the president of a university, seeing these young men who are coming into the university and young women, uh, but since this podcast is, you know, geared towards young men, let's, let's stick with them. Um, when you see them coming into the university, what things would you advise for them to remove so that they can one, get the most out of their, their education. And then later, I mean, these skills apply to, you know, the working world after mm-hmm. university, what things would you advise just right off the bat, like cut out of your life, <laughs> get rid of those. Yeah. You know, um, uh, it kind of depends on the individual, right? So, yeah. um, I I think, um, and and maybe I, I should have said some more about this um, um, when when I was talking about cutting some things out of my own life. But finding the good in what you're doing. So, um, if you're studying, there there is so much value, and I don't care what the course is. I don't I don't care how lousy the the professor is. Um, there, there are truths to learn there. There are things to really understand. And um, um, keeping an eye on, on those goods that you're getting through your, your courses um, when you're on the job, there are things that you are, I mean, in the workforce, it's a similar thing. You know, you're, you're, you're constantly in a position where you have things you can learn and things you can learn to do better um, in accomplishing your tasks. So it's a two-part thing, right? Um, how, do, how do I maximize my, my efforts to stay focused on those goods? And then what, what can I slough off, right? So um, certainly um, the, the, the excessive Netflix and Amazon Prime watching, um, you know, uh, is, it, is it really necessary, right? We need, we need some recreation, but, but do we need that much? Um, um, I, I did learn how to enjoy alcohol once I was of age, um, but, you know, uh, making sure that, that, um, you don't get to a point where you can't read and reflect after in, enjoying a couple beers, uh, with, with friends and, um, having, um, having opportunities where you're, um, and it's really important for guys to have guy friends and to build up community with each other, as well as friendships with with women, um, but but um, am I am I doing that excessively? Am I just bumming out here? Um, is there is there something I could I could do instead that I should do instead? Right. So yeah. so trying to be intentional about those opportunities to build camaraderie with with your friends, you need to do that. Um, but um, you don't need to drag it out. Um, um, you don't certainly don't want to participate in anything that's that's morally suspicious, right? Um, uh, but but um, um, you know, I, uh, what what 
at what point is it actually distracting you from being able to pursue those goods, right? That's that's why it's a two-part process, right? Because you've got to think of those goods that that you want to pursue. Um, and then, you know, I on, on a sort of emotional um, plane, I, I do think that we can get hung up on um, not having the best preparation, not having the best parents, not having um, the mm, best friends, yeah. all, all the ways in which we... You know, life life has done us uh, not a, as good of a turn as somebody else. So, those those jealousies, those envies, those resentments are absolutely corrosive of your ability to um, focus and to eliminate distractions in your attempt to um, do all things for the greater glory of God. And and so. Um, we, we can, you can actually, I mean, this is, this is the good news from Aristotle. Um, you can actually change the way you I was waiting feel. for the plug. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can change the way you feel. You can, you can modify your emotions through, through uh, the cultivation of uh, new habits, better habits, but it, it takes a lot of cultivation. It takes, it takes a lot of practice and it can be painful at first. Right. But, but um, if you're sufficiently uh, cognizant of the goods that you're pursuing through those, those um, through your studies. In the case of, of a college student, um, then then you see the reason for cultivating those those particular habits, those those virtues that that you really need to to be a um, a man who's going to be in a in a position to provide for a family or make serious contributions to society. I mean, we we need men to be excellent. We need men who are going to lead their families, lead, lead corporations, lead universities. Um, we need good women too, right? But, but there, there has been a, a drift um, in, in um, uh, man culture um, yeah. for the last 40 years. And um, um, it, it's, it's, it's important to emphasize that, that um, we're called to greatness and, and uh, God has given us talents. And we have a responsibility to develop those those talents, um, and to do so in a way that doesn't shirk from bearing responsibilities that um, um, can have a, a major impact um, on the lives of the people we touch, principally our future families. So use this time to to get into a position to um, um, really be the sort of man you'd want your wife to be married to, your future wife. Um, and um, um, not think that you're going to take care of whatever, whatever moral and 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 other challenges exist um, at some later undesignated point in time. Right? The, yeah, the, the time is now. Yeah, that idea of um, self work is something that is really important to me, and and I think really hit home for me post college. And a lot of guys I know who are now um, out of university. The, the, the common theme is, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, there's this, there's nobody holding your hand anymore, so to speak. There's nobody pushing you to, to grow except yourself. If you, I mean, if you're not in a relationship, if you're in a relationship, ideally it kind of acts like a mirror. You, you see yourself more clearly and you, you can grow. But um, yeah, for myself, I know post-college, that's when the rubbers hit the road, so to speak. And, and I've seen a lot of growth myself and have seen, wow, I really need to grow in these areas and like take it upon myself, take, take ownership and responsibility to grow in these areas. Right. Um, yeah, that kind of pivots to the next question I was, I was thinking about before, which is 
so you, when you decided to study philosophy, how did that start shifting your view? Like with aerosol, you're just talking about your, your view on life and, um, and you like your worldview, your behavior, how did no. you start to change that? You know, um, that, that, um, um, I, I wanted above all else to be a wisdom seeker. And, um, I, I always saw philosophy, not as a set of, um, rational games to be played arguments to be had. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to argue and, <laughs> and, um, it can have fun mastering the terminology of a, of a thinker and, and, and applying it. But, um, um, the real power of philosophy is that it, it's, it's a way of living and as a way of living, it's a way of, of preparing for death and, um, keeping, um, the, the goal of, of living a, a rich and flourishing life, um, ahead of me and, um, with the limitation of, of death and what that entails, uh, for how I've lived, uh, before me as well, um, became really significant. So philosophy as, as a vehicle for living well, not just as a, as a discipline. And you don't, you don't have to be a professional philosopher to, to appreciate, um, that, that way of, of, uh, thinking about philosophy. I mean, Plato, Plato, yeah, he wrote fun dialogues that you can, you can, um, pull apart and argue over, but he was, he was, um, uh, dead serious in, in the way that he describes philosophy as, as a preparation for death as he does. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't like to think about death very often. We, we want to protect ourselves completely from it. And, and um, um, so philosophy helped me think about, about death in ways that were really productive in terms of, of how I at least strove to live. And it's not like I've lived perfectly um, like, like any human being. I, I, I often fail. Um, but setting big goals, wanting to do big things, wanting to understand how everything uh, fits together, and, and realizing that that the, um, um, the distinctive way in which human beings are is intellectual and, mm. um, and, and um, living a thoughtful life, uh, both in terms of uh, the, the contemplative dimensions that is trying to understand things um, for their own sake and a thoughtful life also in the practical sense, like really being deliberate in, in um, the tasks that I set myself and, and how I uh, strive to interact with others and, and then reflecting upon it afterwards as a, as a way to be um, even more deliberate and intentional in my, in my actions. So philosophy um, means all those things and, and more to me. Yeah, that's a, that, that word that you used a few times there, deliberate. Um, something that I've noticed, it seems like with a lot of guys, like for still focusing on guys, I guess, is they kind of start letting life pass them by. They mm -hmm. don't have, uh, like you were saying, you, you had this ideal of wisdom. You wanted to be like a truth seeker. Yeah. How do you think people in men specifically can raise their, their view of like what their highest ideals are versus just being kind of stuck in like, well, I'm just going to watch. And I struggle with this too. Like, let's just watch another hour of YouTube or you know, watch yeah. Netflix. Like how do we raise those ideals that way we can be more intentional in what we're doing when we're interacting with people, like living a good life. It, it, it's a huge tendency in, in every man, uh, myself included to, um, want to, want to sort of, um, follow the path of least resistance. Right. So, 
Um, and I mean, there can be good and important YouTubes to watch, <laughs> right? But but um, um, you know, it's it we we have to we have to be deliberate in the sense that you need you need a list of books that you're you're going to work through. Um, you need to focus on them when it's time to read, which means. Um, for me, at least, pushing away from myself, uh, my phone, my computer, um, and um, um, uh, saying no, yeah, I'm going to spend an hour reading this text, and and then really trying to to wrestle with it. And um, so we we've got to um, we've got to recognize that we have this temptation, this tendency, um, in the sense of this is how we're inclined to to want comfort and. Um, creature comforts above all else. And we live in a world that that has much to offer by way of creature comforts, um, yeah. even even quasi-intellectual comforts like YouTube, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, is this is this actually um, am I am I pursuing the truth by by watching this? Or am I just um, letting my my ears be tickled and my eyes um, be delighted? Um, Right. So, yeah. Um, but ears tickling. Uh, it's a. I stole that from Saint Augustine in his Confessions. And yeah. And uh, um, but, um, re- reading or rereading the Confessions is is a good place to start. Um, you know, how did this man um, who who became such an important figure in in the church, such a great saint, right? He didn't he didn't start out that way. He had gifts, um, yeah. but but he he went through a transformation and. Reading, reading um, the, about the lives of, of those, whether it's autobiographical, like Confessions, or or an account, um, um, is is I think encouraging. I, I recently read, um, uh, well, not that recently, uh, River of Doubt, this story of, of uh, uh, former President Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, exploring a uh, a river that hmm. that um, um, had not yet been mapped and. Um, why? Well, he wanted to do something that had huge obstacles um, that would, yeah, contribute to science, but it was just it was a thing to do. And then, and then um, I read uh, just this last year, Endurance, um, about uh, Sir Ernest uh, Shackleford and uh, Shackleton and um, the, the attempt to circumnavigate the uh, Antarctic. And mm. um, uh, indeed, endurance was required. Endurance is also the the name of of the ship that that um, yeah, uh, was was split apart and, and sunk. And you know, but what what amazes me is when he was building his team, um, he he had so many people sign up for that. Um, he was able to to pick the the cream of the crop, pay them almost nothing, because they wanted to do something great and and. Um, um, cultivating that desire for greatness, which, which um, in these kinds of contexts, you know, means overcoming serious obstacles. That requires fortitude, the, 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 the virtue of courage, um, having hope in the good that you seek to pursue, but, but doing, you know, not, not seeing an obstacle and saying, well, you know, that's, that's an obstacle. I don't want to have to deal with yeah. it. I'd much rather do something comfortable. That um, stops everybody. Like right yeah. now they're coming up on a gym season membership, right? Yeah. <laughs> New Year's, everybody gets a gym membership and then they realize, oh man, this is hard. So they yeah. stop right away or, right. you know, with any big undertaking. And I think that's the core of like 
especially what motivates men is like we see this great challenge and it, it's inspiring but then the then you actually realize the obstacle and so how do we get over that yeah and and, and for me um I, it, and i think a lot of guys are like this you need specific goals so um the reason i stopped working out and you know, I, I went from I, I was captain of my rowing team for two and a half years in college and and then when we had those financial challenges i was describing earlier um all of that time went away and, and then some to to make some money and I thought I, I can't justify exercising, um, and 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 then when I realized that was stupid, um, a couple of years <laughs> later, and it would, had like chronic migraine headaches and, and a couple <laughs> of health problems, and I thought, what what's going on? Um, yeah, right. Here I am, you know, twenty five years old, twenty six years old, and and um, used to be a really good athlete. Now I'm a little overweight and and uh, huffing and puffing when I'm walking upstairs. Um, so. Um, I didn't spend a ton of time in my workouts, but, uh, but I started to develop uh, certain particular goals um, mm -hmm. I wanted to achieve. You know, lifting goals um, you know, of, of certain weights or uh, running goals, um, competitive goals. Um, now I want to keep being able to beat my sons at basketball at least some of the time. <laughs> um, I want to continue to play basketball. I want to, I want to, um, I, I recently had a, a rotator cuff um, problem developed. I can't, I cannot lift heavy weights above my head anymore. Um, but I've, I, I met with a doctor, gave me a whole list of, of exercises that were actually good for my shoulder and, and some others. Um, and I just kind of recreated the, the particular goals of, you know, a certain number of reps, this weight for this exercise, not being able to hit it ticks me off. Um, I want to, I want to come back and, and do it better the next morning. Um, and to keep my time down, I, I, built a home gym, um, where, where I, um, you know, not everyone has that, the, that space and, and the resources, um, not, it didn't take much, but you can I mean, do calisthenics, I you mean, can do calisthenics. We, we make up a lot of excuses for why we can't do stuff. I think that's right. And, and I mean, there are like 15 ways to do a push up and, <laughs> and you, diamond and, you know, wide grip, close grip. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and, and so, um, you know, wanting to be able to do uh, 50 push-ups in a row of a certain type, um, 75, can you get to 100, right? So keep setting goals that are discrete, that, that are stretched, but, but achievable, and, um, and, and then going after them. So just having a gym membership and wanting to be in shape, whatever that means, it, yeah. it's, too, it's too ambiguous. You know, we, yeah. uh, we, need, we need to fill in what that means. No, I wanted to touch on this idea. Um, this is something that I found as a, as a guy really, really helpful. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Exodus 90 or those who are listening are familiar with Exodus 90. It's something I did while I was at UD and we're actually a group of guys and myself are planning on doing it uh, this mm -hmm. January start starting. It's mm -hmm. really intense spiritual exercise. Uh, you, you have a lot of aesthetical practices. So cold showers, no sweets, no milk in your coffee, even mm -hmm. no television, no phone. You know, it's, it's a, it's a long list of, of stuff as well as like an hour of prayer every day and um, regular exercise, all these things. Um, but the, the thing that makes that exercise work is the fraternity aspect. Yeah. And with it, with myself, I'm, I'm an engaged man now. And, um, my experience with that is that accountability of my fiance has helped me grow so much in so many different ways, way faster than I could by myself. What do you mm -hmm. think is then the role, like going back to when we were talking about, you know, having good male friendships and, and good relationships in general, the, the role of accountability and kind of, and good friends in, in this. 
Yeah. Well, congratulations on your engagement. That's Thank wonderful. you very much. Yeah. Do you get married this summer or? or yeah, uh, I think we're looking for um, mid-August right now. Okay. Yeah, there's some extenuating circumstances, you know, uh, that, you know, we're still working through determining, okay, when we can set a specific date, but until then, yeah, we're looking at mid-August. Yeah, great, great. Um, so, yeah, accountability, I mean, being a member of a team was second nature to me for a long time. And when I didn't have a team and it kind of fell also because of time constraints, just stopped exercising. But it used to be, and I think it's a similar concept when, when you're, I, I'm familiar with Exodus 90 and uh, in considering doing it with a, a couple of friends that I grew up with actually. Um, so we'd have to use Zoom for some of our meetings, but yeah, um, you don't want to let your team down, right? You, you, uh, um, and, and when you do, you, you want to come clean and, um, so having having a, a network in, in this case of, of uh, male friends who um, you've got to explain yourself to and a set of team goals um, can can be really helpful. And then you know with with your future wife, um, it, it's it's a little different. Um, I mean, Saint Paul tells us that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved His church. Um, which is total sacrifice and the point and, of death. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, and and um, um, there there are there are a number of things that are like little deaths. Um, so for for me, I probably would have been I, maybe I seem a little extreme in, in my rigorism when it comes to using my time. No, I think um, it's fantastic. Well, we should all aspire for it. <laughs> well, you know, being married makes me less rigorous. Okay, so for me that was that was tough because. Um, I really do need to spend time with with my wife and yeah. um, um, and sit down and and maybe even watch a movie on occasion and and sit there and think, <laughs> man, I, I could I could be reading this book instead of sitting here. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I, I found no, that's that's not a good idea. Um, yeah. Uh, because you got to work on the relationship. The um, and and my my wife is striving for excellence too. We just have very different personalities, and mm-hmm. so. Um, at least in in my case, um, um, I, I want to be I want to be um, a better man for the sake of my wife and my kids. Um, it helps set my bigger goals and and some of those discrete goals. But in in terms of of um, um, th- nothing is quite as motivating as as a friend or a brother saying, "Man, you, you got to clean yourself up in this area." Yeah, um, and um, my my wife saying that sort of thing it, it it's effective uh, but but there's little it's it's psychologically just a different kind of thing yeah definitely and and so having having good male friends i think is is critical for anyone who's who's embarking upon marriage or getting married married and um um because um, we, we we can't do this alone yeah, definitely. I want to, uh, before we wrap up, I know we have a few minutes left here. I wanted to get your advice on like fatherhood. I mean, you have a large family, so you, you've had a lot of experience with this, but as men, as we're kind of going through this idea of preparing ourselves and being deliberate and, and growing in these areas, it's also for the purpose of being a good father. If you're supposed to get married, right. And, or if you're, you know, a religious person or a priest, you still are a father in some sense. Um, we have, what is your vision of fatherhood and, and how do you become a good father? Yeah, you know, I, I gave a talk um, on campus uh, this semester on, on fatherhood to uh, the men's group. And um, um, 
you know, some some of my reflections in the Q and A I, I found were were not as important as others. What what really became clear to me um, was, on the one hand, a certain fear that mm-hmm. that some men have of of becoming fathers or exercising fatherhood, and um, that can be born from not have having not of of having had very good positive experiences with their own dads. Um, we have many children of divorce and and so forth, um, and and then um, fears connected to financial sustainability and and it's all just so terrifying. How can I ever measure yeah. up? So remembering that that um, fatherhood is an expression of your nature, you know, whether whether it's going to be biological fatherhood, which is more than just you know. Um, perpetuating life it's actually nurturing um, the children who come forth from from a union and um, or or fatherhood through the priesthood um, and um, or, or some other means I mean it's 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 an expression of our nature so do you do you have what it takes to be a father well in a way it's already there and mm-hmm. and um, uh, stop trying to avoid the unavoidable, and, <laughs> and um, you know have have some guts about taking the plunge and really embracing what what you're already called to. Um, the the question is not whether to be a father; it's how to be a father. At yeah, in, in what circumstances, and and in what way. But um, any any temptation that any man has to avoid altogether fatherhood, whether it's, you know, as I was saying, physical or, or spiritual or emotional, even, even uh, uh, male professors uh, exercise a certain, a certain fatherhood in the classroom, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you're not going to, you're not going to avoid it. Um, uh, so how, how are you going to exercise that well? And, and, um, and then, and then having courage when you see those obstacles, um, and and um, wanting wanting the great good of being an excellent father, um, taking care of yourself so that you can be that excellent father for the sake of your your children. Well, I think that's a great place to end. And uh, thank you so much for your time, President Sanford. It's been a wonderful joy interviewing you and getting to chat with you for a bit. Well, it's it's been a real pleasure, Vince. And uh, uh, congratulations again on the engagement. Way to go! Yeah, thank you very much. I'm uh, very excited. <laughs> good. good. Okay, great talking to you. Yeah, same here. That was my guest, President Jonathan Sanford of the University of Dallas. He's been at the university since 2015, serving in a number of roles. He received his doctorate in philosophy from the University of Buffalo, and he's been married for over 20 years and has nine children. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and got something out of it as I did. And I hope you do come back for the next one. Thank you.